Well, hi there, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today, I have a wonderful guest, a dear friend. His name is Frank. And I met Frank because he came to one of the Course in Miracles classes that I teach at Unity North in Marietta in Georgia. And he came, I'm going to say maybe three years ago, two, three years ago. And we've stayed in contact ever since. And it's just been wonderful to know that there is a fellow on this journey who has been inspired by A Course in Miracles to look at life differently, to change his perception from that we are only physical beings. And he's been open to exploring the, the truth, in essence, that we are made of consciousness. We're made of energy. We are something that is so much grander that our, our ego mind, our finite human mind cannot fathom. And Frank has gone through an incredible experience. His life partner um, of 17 years, his wife of 13, recently passed away from liver cancer. And Frank has had all of his beliefs put to the test. So today we're going to have a conversation about how does somebody who has been on this spiritual journey studying truth, how does somebody cope with the emotional stuff that happens when we go through the process of losing a loved one? Because the spiritual journey is really, from my perception, a journey of becoming more sensitized to all that we are. So it is not a journey about not caring and not feeling just because we're energy. We don't care about anything or anyone in, anymore. It is truly, for me, a journey about becoming more fully alive, more fully engaged with life. And life has things such as deaths and births and, you know, baby showers and, and bankruptcies. So it runs the gamut. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to this amazing man who has a lot to teach us. If you're willing to look at things from a different perspective about how to go through what I'm going to call conscious grieving. So Frank, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have this. What to me is a, it's a breakthrough conversation. This is a leading edge conversation because when we become spiritual, so what? So what happens? I mean, yeah, it sounds great to go around saying, oh, I'm spiritual. But what does that look in life? So before we get into what does that look like in your life today, give me a little background on what did life look at look like for you before you became spiritual? And yeah. then maybe you can tell me what that spiritual means. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, first of all, um, I want to invite the uh, uh, Holy Spirit into this conversation to yeah. kind of, uh, guide us through the uh, highest good for everybody that's involved and uh, to inspire us to say and do what, uh, maybe make a difference to others and to ourselves in our own lives. Uh, but anyway, uh, originally I was brought up as a um, Catholic, uh, and I was like the perfect example of a, of a little Catholic boy. I was an altar boy. I was serving mass. I was uh, fervently following what the church said was normal for a, a Catholic. Um, and what I began to notice was that most of the people that were in church with me were pretty hypocritical that I was not feeling a lot of spirituality out of my uh, following the, the Catholic church, but I did feel a connection to what Jesus had to say and what his message was. And so at about the age of 13 or 14, I started to just doubt 
what I was being taught and starting to look a little bit for some other answers in, in other directions and um, started casually, you know, searching, reading a little bit. When I got into my teens, uh, I got into being a hippie and experimenting with drugs and, and um, some of the philosophies of, of those days, you know, Herman Hess and some of the yogas uh, that were around the uh, uh, masters from India that were yeah. kind of popular at that time. Um, and just in general, uh, what began to happen for me was like a crack in the cosmic egg. You know, it was just a kind of way that my reality started to get scrambled a little bit. And I started to realize there was something more to the reality than I had thought there was. And um, I started to see that my perception and my mindset was changing my reality, could could actually have an effect on it to a great extent. And um, as I grew older and, and processed more and more uh, ups and downs in life, uh, I read more. Um, uh, some of the you know popular stuff back in the uh, 70s, 80s, you know, Think and Get Rich and, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, J. Krishnamurti, uh, different authors. Really, I, everything. Um, and then around uh, 1988, I had a, a severe depression from, um, I was married at that time. I had two kids. I had a, a pretty expensive set of bills and I had quit my job to go into business for myself and the business failed. And um, a friend of mine had recommended a book called A Course in Miracles. And um, I had not taken them seriously. But I was in a bookstore uh, kind of just hoping to find something that could help me get out of this depression I was in. And, uh, you know, you ever been in a, in a kind of a, uh, bookstore where they sell uh, spiritual books and something like jumps out at you and and the oh, lettering yeah. on the book kind of like was like flashing and I went by it I came back and I went by it I came back and it was $25 which I didn't have uh, I didn't have much money I was broke uh, yeah. but it, it called to me in a way that I just felt I had to I had to buy it and um, that day I sat I can remember sitting under a tree and starting to read it and it just I just felt something connect inside of my heart and um, inch by inch, it drew me out of my depression. It, it started opening uh, a sense of hope that I could come out of this. Um, there was like a light that started to form in front of me that, that drew me, you know, uh, forward. And from that day on, the course has been my go-to uh book, my, my, my go-to mindset. And um, what's happened really over time is that um, although it's the main book I, I fall back on, I kind of go off into other things to try uh, to uh, integrate in, into my spiritual life. And it's, I've always, always been drawn back to the Course. The Course seems to be where all my answers really lie. and. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about the Course in Miracles, because right. you know, as people join, I want them to know the book that you're right. referring to. Right. Yeah, I, I know most of us call it the Course, but it's really a Course in Miracles because, yeah. you know, it says itself that it is not the only way to get there. It is just one way, 
And if you're drawn to it, it's a great way. And if it's not, there's others, you know, so it's not like the, I'm not promoting it as the only way. Yeah, but let's let's talk about for a second, though. You said that um, I want to kind of take you back backwards a little bit. You said that as you began to to expand your awareness of things, you began to study some things. You began to realize that when you changed your perception, the world that you were seeing was changing. Right. So speak. Give us some examples. Let those who are viewing this know what was happening to Frank as you begin to realize how powerful you are. You're being exposed to these truths. What was changing? How did you know this stuff was working? Um, well, what, what I noticed happening is as I changed my perspective, people showed up differently in my life. So I began to realize that there really wasn't uh, a person set in stone, any situation set in stone. It was, it was kind of malleable. It was kind of flexible yeah. and, and it depended on my perception. And, you know, in the course it's, uh, um, perception creates, you know, projection creates perception. So, so our inner state projects onto our world and we see it and, and then we experience it and we think that it's happening to us, but it's actually us, you know, uh, shifting things in our world to make them look a certain way. Exactly. And, and it's not like that we control every aspect of our lives, but we have a certain amount of um, control over what happens and, and what we perceive as. And um, um, so for me, it got to be a quest to find out how much I had control of what, what were the borders what determined it? Was there certain things that were, uh, you know, destined to happen that I couldn't change? Was it all malleable? Was it all changeable? Um, whose plan was it? You know, and, and in the course, uh, there's a statement that God's will and my will are one. And this has really been the key to my understanding and to uh, what has helped me to um, evolve to the highest level I can is to realize that even though I may have resistance to some things that are happening in my life, it's all there for a reason and it's there for my benefit. Um, and as part of my will and my resistance is really my hanging on to what I thought should be. It's always that way. <laughs> yes. Right. And, but you know, that was a big part of what happened with, the, with this grieving process, which we'll get into a little bit later, but that's, that is a cornerstone of how, I've saved my sanity through all of that, you know. Um, Absolutely. But let me let me go back and see if we can uh, get you to see if you remember a few examples mm -hmm. of your shift in perception creating something. Did some people did you begin to look at some people differently in your family? Was it people you worked with? Did you look at a job differently that it began to change? See, yes. you can get an example of the practical application of here you are playing with how much you get to, uh, in, in essence, control the projection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's many examples of that. Um, you know, and I think that one of the places that was the strongest contrast in how that worked was in my family, my immediate family, uh, specifically with my mother, who I had a really um, tough time of loving, feeling, feeling loved by her. And so there was a resentment, a, a kind of an anger towards her. And I spent a lot of time trying to resolve that. I went through 
birthing, rebirthing classes and hypnosis and, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, work to try to resolve that issue. And what I discovered really started to change for me was when I practiced what the Course in Miracles calls uh, forgiveness. And I just started to, um, you know, make a commitment to myself that I would forgive her for what I thought she had done. Uh, yeah. And not trying to say, well, I think, I mean, you did this to me, and I'm going to forgive you. Uh, you know, of course, makes it really clear. It's not about condemning someone, then forgiving them. It's about actually forgiving yourself for what you thought the other person did and letting go of the uh, belief you have about them. And when I started to do that, uh, initially it was very difficult to do because I was convinced that my story about her was accurate. And that she did it. <laughs> and that she did it. Right. She did these things and, and, and I wasn't going to let her off the hook. And you have evidence. You had examples. I mean, I had, we all create a long list. Yeah. I had a lot of agreement from people that I explained it to. You know, oh. she says, yeah, you're right. Your mother was, was nasty to you, you know, and, and you, have, you have every right to be angry and upset okay. about it. Um, but and, and I even confronted her about, you know, what she had done. And she was getting older. And uh, she was in a nursing home and stuff, you know, and it was like, I'm, I'm this older person. And I'm still struggling with this. And, you know, I would go see her and um, I knew she didn't have a lot of years left. And, and I would I would really get like psyched up to be this really good son to her. And she would say one thing that would just send me off into crazy land. You know, yeah. it's like mothers have this ability. I mean, they just I, I don't know if she knew me. That well, or even if she was doing it on purpose, but it would trigger me into some kind of uh, um, anger and and resentment. And I'm saying to myself, you know, how all this work you're doing, and you, and you're still falling into this this ego trap of feeling this resentment. And I just kept uh, praying for um, guidance. Uh, I I prayed to uh, my brother Jesus to help me to let go of. Uh, whatever story I was holding on to and incrementally very small pieces, small parts, they just started to drop away. And, um, you know, finally towards the end of her life, you know, I, I wish it had been sooner, but, uh, I, I could say that I was at the point finally where I could feel her love. I, I, I could be with her without being triggered into anything. And, um, there was a real bonding that took place, at, uh, before she passed on. And, um, made a world of difference to me. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of it she got from yeah. you know, I felt, but for me, it was, a, it was a breakthrough. And that, that is a huge breakthrough because, you know, as a life coach for 12 years now, helping people work through their issues, we always, 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 always inevitably have to go to mother, father, because those were the, our, our primary caretakers. And they were our first models of love, our first models of, forgiveness of trust of connection and if those things don't get established and they they for the most part cannot with people who are unconscious people right. who are unaware of the truth of our nature and by that i mean of the essence that we are we are energy we are consciousness we are ideas in the mind of god when you don't understand that that is actually the truth of who we are. We get caught up in these forms, these body shapes, these 
this hierarchical you mother and I'm child and we begin to see each other as separate. And when we believe that story that we're separate from one another, some have power and some don't. As a child, that feels very uncomfortable. And of course, it becomes ingrained in us that the parents have the power. So, yes, we build those resentments and those angers because we're expecting this person who should know better to treat us like we are this blessed royalty that we are because we know we are. But they don't see it that way because they have long forgotten the truth. So it's always going to be that way. I I cannot foresee, at least for now, um, until the consciousness of more of the planet begins to shift that the bulk of the work is going to be done with our mother father issues, because that's where we learn how to be who we are. Right. So, right. so then your mom passes away and how, about how long ago was that? Um, was about three years ago. Three. Okay. So relatively recent. She was, she so, was 93. She, was, she had a pretty good life. Yeah. So share, how was that grieving process for you with your mom? Let, let's just talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, it didn't, I was not hurt uh, that badly uh, emotionally when she passed. Uh, I think um, her and I, because of the the work that I had done, um, uh, we were complete. And I, and I I think that that um, uh, allowed me to uh, experience her passing without a lot of trauma. And, and um, I didn't go through a large amount of grieving. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, but it did help in my relationship with my wife at that time yeah. when, when it just passed. Because and all my relationships with all women um, shifted. And, and I became, um, I saw women differently. I, I think that up until that point, um, I kind of objectified a woman quite a bit in my relationships. and. Um, when I had gone through the kind of a healing process with my mother, it, it allowed me to have a different relationship with all females in my life. And especially my wife, I, you know, I read a book once that we marry our, our mother, you know, and, 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 and if she's not our mother, when we marry her, we make her into our mother, you know? So um, there was a lot of aspects of my wife that reflected my relationship with my mother. And, um, um, but yeah, I didn't, you know, to be honest, I really didn't go through a heavy grieving process with my mom. I, I felt pretty good. My dad, too, the same way. We both got pretty complete towards the end of his life. And uh, I miss him. I still go through days where I, where I think of both of them, where I wish I could give them a call and say a few words. But it's it's um, largely pretty much a, a healed process. Well, you know, that that's part of the the benefit of doing this healing work because when my mom passed away, I was 41 years old. I didn't have a freaking clue about spirituality. I like you grew up Catholic and I had the, the fear of hell, uh, you know, instilled in me. So when my mom died and, and we, we had been very close up until maybe the last year or so of her life. And then we had an issue with one of my sisters that became a dividing um, experience between us. It really cost us, our relationship in many ways, not because my sister did it, but because my mom and I use that experience as a way to to create a barrier between us. So when she died, I really grieved 
heavily. I I was so lost in depression and not only losing her, who had been such a good friend to me up until that last year, but I had so much guilt and shame about wanting her to die so that the family trauma could be done. You know, I, I wanted the fa or the family drama because if she died, then we'd be over with all this stuff because she was the instigator. And so I had to experience a lot of emotions that were major, major turmoil. And it wasn't until a couple of years later of grieving this so intensely. I mean, I'm talking years that I had a friend who basically said, OK, girl, we got we got to you know, this is a little bit out of control. Um, that's when I began to to get curious about could there be another way of doing this? And for me, it was my fear of death. I didn't want to die and go to hell. I didn't want to die and be miserable, you know, have lived my final years miserable like my mom. And what happened is I realized that after a while, I wasn't grieving my mom's death. I was grieving my death because I was beginning to realize that I lost touch with who am I? Because I was so consumed with my grief and consumed with other people and what I was supposed to be, do and have for everybody else. And so I say, and I said this in the last interview that I did with, with our friend Mindy, that my mom gave birth to me twice, once physically and once spiritually. I began to awaken spiritually to this other way. So here you are experiencing your mom's passing and dad's consciously, which means you're you're doing your completion ahead of time. You're, like you say, you're doing your forgiveness work. Now let's talk about how did the course help you over the last three years to prepare you for what you've experienced most recently? I mean, we're, we're talking about a fresh um, death of your, your spouse. So talk to us about those three months bringing you up to that point. What, what was going on inside in, in you in terms of your, your growth with the course or with anything else? Well, um, I think that as you get older, I, I am just as, you know, just a, uh, my, my view on it, but as you get older and you form a relationship like I had with, with my wife, um, you have a tendency to kind of, I, I don't know, the only way I can say it is put all your eggs in one basket. Like, <laughs> my, my, my happiness and my world have revolved around her. Uh, it may have even been a little bit codependent. And I think that, um, it's just that she was, there was something about her um, personality and her, her, the connection we shared. Uh, I, I have to say that it felt to me like it was very much at a soul level. Like we had something to give each other. Yeah. And, um, I expected, I, I thought that it was going to be long term, that we had a lot of lessons to learn, a lot of life to live. And when she uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and it was uh, um, stage four liver cancer, which is just about a death sentence. I mean, almost nobody recovers from that. And it's a, and at that level, it's not going to be too long. Um, I panicked a little bit. Um, I resorted to every kind of possible healing modality that there was. Yeah. Uh, Spiritual energy work, um, alternative um, uh, medicine, uh, diet changes, uh, meditation. I mean, anything you could think of. 
Yeah. And she basically pretty much accepted the fact that it wasn't going to happen. And she, her, her healing wasn't in the, in the stars. And so we sat for, you know, a lot of time talking about uh, the time that she was still uh, um, able to talk um, about what this meant. Um, we both had a, a spiritual um, level to our life that we agreed on, you know, that this life was a physical, uh, we're spiritual beings having a physical experience and that it was, uh, you know, a short blip on the, the overall screen of eternity and that nothing happened by accident. So, you know, we sat and talked and looked at it and like, what was the gift that could be in this for us? I mean, as tragic as it seemed, as, as terrible as it seemed for both of us, um, what could we what could we get out of it? And, you know, we wouldn't, of course, know all that for time. You know, it's going to take time for it to unfold. Uh, it gave us a little bit of peace going in. Uh, it helped uh, with the trauma. Uh, the whole time that I was witnessing her physically going through the leaving process, um, uh, I had I fluctuated back and forth between seeing her as a body and seeing yeah. her as a spiritual being. Yeah. And the difficulty I experienced after her passing was letting go, and it's, I'm still going through it, is letting go of the physical essence of her that was part of my life yeah. and focusing on the spiritual part of her that is was really the center of what was magical about our relationship. Yeah. Let, let's well, talk about there, You know? But there was a connection at a different level. And, and as I'm focusing on that, I'm beginning to feel her presence more and more and uh, and feeling that she isn't really missing in my life, that, that there is a part of her that is, is going to be even more accessible than it was when she was in a body. So let's, let's talk uh, about that here. Let, let's yeah. take a quick a, a little because you're, you're sharing so much and I want to break it down into pieces. Um so how many months did you, from the time that you got the diagnosis till she passed, how many months did you guys have? Well, um, she went in at uh, Thanksgiving of this last year, 2017, for a minor operation. And that's when they discovered that her liver was cancerous. Wow. Um, they did a biopsy. And um, even though they said it looked bad, they didn't have a definite diagnosis until Christmas. Okay. And uh, so at Christmas time, they said, well, we're going to do chemo. Um, and they said the expectancy was that if we didn't do anything, you would have eight weeks left. If we do chemo, you probably have a year to a year and a half left. Um, they did the chemo and she lasted like four weeks. Okay. So, so you guys didn't have that many months of no. knowing that this was coming barely a month or so. Right. Um, of the, the finality of it in terms yep. of the, our physical experience. So let's talk about during that time that you're coming to you're coming to this realization while we have physical bodies, we're experiencing the physical emotions, the physical everything. So you were talking that the two of you began to say, well, everything happens for a reason. And let's talk about let's isolate that piece. Because in A Course in Miracles, understanding that everything that happens in our life has value, it's right. here to show us if we're being, if we're extending love or if it's a call to love, everything is showing us 
Are we coming from love or fear? Are we in our ego or in our essence, in our in our God essence? So how were you able to take your wife's death sentence as one of those things that you accepted? Well, it is what it is. It's yep. meant to be. Let's talk about just that piece alone, because that's really profound and a testament to experiencing consciously something that is happening in, in the physical world. Right. Right. So um, I was pretty devastated. And in my life, uh, I mentioned earlier that I kind of went in and out of using the manual of the Course in Miracles as a touchstone, depending on different situations. And often what brought me back to, to um, the material of the Course was some kind of a dark night of the soul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so this is what I was experiencing. I was, ex I was going through this dark night. I was frantic. I was uh, reaching for anything and everything to, to try to pull out of it. And um, I, I have a, the course manual uh, always, you know, nearby. And I happened to walk by it and I picked it up and I just opened it randomly to a place, which I often do. Mm -hmm. And it started to speak to me again. And, you know, where I opened it up to was about the holy relationship. Oh, beautiful section. Yeah. And anybody that's, you know, worked with the course understands that the holy relationship is uh, how the Holy Spirit comes into our relationships where we think of the other person that we're, in, we're relating to as somebody that's separate from us and helps us to realize that there is no separation, that yeah. there really is no other, that that person that we're the ego perception is seen as a different entity from mm -hmm. us is actually a part of us. Exactly. That was the, I realized that that was the gift. Yeah. I wasn't at the point where I could really receive it. You know when it was going to come, but that was what I, what I needed to keep focusing on uh, was extending the Christ mind in myself. The Christ mind represents my, my real perception in this world and extending that to what I was seeing as a body, which was my wife yeah. and, to, and to allow the Holy spirit to heal that part of my mind that was seen or a separate for me. And that really is what carried me through uh, the whole process. You know, and I can't say I'm done with it. Um, I still, uh, I'm still going through a grieving process of losing the physical person of my wife. Um, and I think that's uh, one point I want to make right here is that for people who are having, you know, who believe in spirituality and who work with spirituality, don't try to jump over the physical <laughs> mourning and grieving yeah. that we go yeah. through when we lose someone or there's a, uh, an illness or any kind of thing that happens in this reality. I know that there's a sense that this is a dream and that maybe that's not, it's not real. You still need to process it. You still need to yeah. um, go through that. And, and I, I am going through it and I am, it does hurt, but I used that pain as a reminder that that's still a part of me that's clinging to the physical. And I, I turn it over to the Holy spirit to help heal that part of my mind. That's still clinging um, to the uh, uh, physical aspect of the relationship. Yeah, and th this is a wonderful point to make here because 
as we move through this spiritual journey and we begin, we begin to realize, and many of us have the experiences of transcending the body. We know ourselves as non-physical. We can sense our oneness with consciousness. So as you begin to feel yourself as formless, it's really easy to get the mind to begin to tell you that nothing physical matters, nothing physical is real. And in many ways, it's a denial of the physical aspect because this entire process of awakening is about elevating the physical to the level of divinity. It's not about denying the physical and only wanting to be divine because that's not why we have bodies. We have this experience of a body to express the Christ consciousness, the Buddha nature, the love of God. So these bodies have to be used for the work that we're here to do. Again, to just the expressions of love. But oftentimes in the denial of the physicalness, actually I'm gonna say always, in the denial of the physicalness, we desensitize ourselves even more. So let's talk about um, th this process of grieving because the way that I see that is what we're grieving is the attachment to an idea of how things are supposed to be. Right. That attachment is an energy that has condensed. It, it is a solidification of a thought pattern, many thought patterns about what it looks like when we hold hands, what it looks like when we go to bed, what it looks like when we wake up together, when we shop together, when we pay bills together, when we laugh together. All of those, how it should look like, are like these little pockets of energy that solidify. So this grieving process is a releasing of the expectations, and that has to be honored because how else do you lighten yourself if you don't release the denseness of yourself? Right, right. So speak more to how are you dealing with, now that your wife has, you know, has uh, transitioned, and it's it's so recent. It was what four weeks ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, the eighteenth of uh, January. My goodness, not even not, not even four weeks. So, Frank, I, I just want to commend you for for being here with me, having this conversation. Where you know the average person who is unconscious may not be able to do a conversation like this, and here you are, so poised and and so generous with your your share. Um, while your heart is still so tender, but talk a little bit while you're since you can what has it been like to experience those ideas of what life would be like breakfast with your wife how are you moving through your day when that's no longer part of your perceived reality yeah yeah so you know one of the uh, a book that i i was recommended and it really made a big difference is um headed it called it the whole grieving process the hero's journey and there was four aspects of it and the, and the first aspect was um, accepted yeah. and, um, and each each part of the process has a positive aspect that if you use it you move through the grievance process much faster and much le much less painfully and if yeah. you resist it you uh, cause yourself more suffering and more pain so the first one was acceptance and the opposite side of the acceptance was resistance yeah, so I realized right away and, and how to find it was uh, the resistance is trying to hold on to, the, as you said, the ideas of what we thought should be, what ought to be and how you wanted it to be, how you expected it to be. And, and you know, there's a saying in a lot of circles, circle, circle, 
you know, be present. And so most of us spend a great deal of our consciousness either in the past or in the future or in the past, projecting it onto the future, yeah. very little in, in the present. And so to be in the present, we need to let go of our projections and our, and uh, um, our presumptions and assumptions and judgments and all of that. So um, this has been, this whole process has put me, has furnished the energy and motivation to get more serious about letting go of those aspects of my life, not just to do with her, yeah. but to do with my life in general. And, what a gift. Um, yes. And that's to me is, has been uh, so much of the gift that I've received from it is that I'm, I'm seeing that when I'm in the present moment, when I'm in the here and now, when I'm in acceptance and gratitude, what happens is life starts to unfold in a way that meets me before I even have a request. All right. And so, and so I don't need to be praying for something. I, I just need to be rejoicing and, and, and celebrating life as it's unfolding right around me. And, and that's what presence, that's what presence is all about. Right. 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 And awareness, you know, um, I, it was interesting. Uh, I had somebody explain the difference between awareness and presence. Presence is being with the flow of the here and now, you know, of the uh, things that are happening. But awareness is just the overall mindset that allows presence to happen. You know, exactly. So, exactly. So I feel the same way. Awareness is who we are, basically. Yes. You know, we, we are awareness. That, that is all we are. We're, we're awareness and, and, um, if we stay in awareness, we realize that we're we're watching a show that we as an entity within the show is participating. And what happens is we get sucked into the entity consciousness and think that's us. And, yeah. And, you know, but but that's the thing that is so challenging for people to hear, especially in a conversation like what we're having right now, because people want to say, but there was a body, but she died, but she suffered, but it's not fair. But the doctors missed this opportunity, but the, the medicine didn't work and the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance, blah, blah, blah. And we get so caught up in all of the minutiae of the ego pointing the finger at all of the moving pieces that the ego doesn't want. But once you get sucked in, like you said, now you're inside of the details. You can't see the whole picture. You can't be aware of the amazing opportunity to witness what is happening, what is unfolding, because that is going back to the Course in Miracles. To me, that's a gift of A Course in Miracles for me, is a return to being the witness to being aware, being the awareness, the power of awareness that I teach is about recognizing that we can still feel and sense and have the emotional movement, that energy and motion through us that allows us to know that we're having a physical experience, but do it from out here mm -hmm. where there's reverence. You cannot be reverent if you're stuck inside of the details. It's impossible. And you're doing that so beautifully, sitting out here, experiencing it. Right. So when you're doing that, Frank, what's going on inside of you? Because obviously that's where the emotional turmoil is happening. Yeah. Take us through through your inner process. Yeah. So um, 
you know, we were talking earlier about the um, idea that we we are constantly at choice yeah. about uh, which uh, place we're what we're choosing to see the world from. We're either seeing it from our Christ mind or we're seeing it from the ego mind. And um, so, you know, it, it's really interesting that once we make a choice to see it from the Christ mind, uh, it's, we're not done. It's not like, oh, now everything's okay and, and I don't have I don't have anything else to do. Uh, it's an ongoing choice that we make from moment to moment. And um, so w- what I find is um, I use pain. Uh, and I, by pain, I mean when I slip into the ego mindset of saying my wife is missing physically out of my life, things like that, uh, that triggers me into starting to get back into the ego mindset. And I allow myself to stay there a little bit, but I realize too that that's not it. That's not the whole story. Yeah. And I, I start to ask the Holy Spirit to heal that part of my mind that's still, you know, hooked on that and to show me, um, you know, uh, the real world, my real perception. And I, so I start to bring uh, the joy back in, the, the happiness comes back in, that my present awareness starts to return and my life returns to a flow. Um, it's really interesting that when I'm in the pain place, uh, it feels like a bottomless pit that will never go away. Yeah, I bet. It just really, it really hurts. It's not like it it's ever seems to get any less hurtful. But um, I, I use that as a, you know, an alarm basically going off rather than a, a, a place to sink into. And I've met a lot of people that allow that place to become their main focus of their life. Yeah. And my theory has gotten to be that, you know, pain is part of life. It's a signal that we receive from our emotional uh, GPS, so to speak, mm-hmm. that tells yeah. us that we're, we're off course, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And, but suffering is optional. Yeah. Suffering <laughs> is our resistance to the pain. Yes. When we resist the pain, we suffer. You know? Yeah. And let, let's talk a little bit more about what we're resisting about the pain, because what we're resisting is the pain being information. Yes. We don't want to feel pain because we don't want to be informed right. that we are misperceiving. Right. So like you said, and I love that you stated it that way. It's just a signal that pain, that discomfort is a signal that we are not seeing things from the presence of awareness that we have become a focalized point now that is concerned with the minutia, with the details. And from that place, when, once you jump into the details, you're lost. You feel powerless. You feel overcome by so many things. Right. And the ego loves to send us to the place of feeling powerless. Yes. And, and then how does it maintain its power? By resisting looking at how it became powerless by resisting believing the pain was real. So let's talk about that a little bit because that awareness, that pain is just a signal. In the beginning, once your wife passed away, I would imagine four weeks ago, you probably weren't that clear about pain being the signal (laughs) because so much was happening. Definitely submerging it, yeah. Yes, you were. So how did you walk yourself through that? Because it required, you having the presence of awareness that you had this this choice that was possible. So take us through that process. Okay, yeah. So that was a very real uh, place. It was a real, very dark place. Um, and I found 
that as I read the course, I kept I what I what I ended up doing was going back right to the beginning and, and rereading the whole text. Uh-huh. I found that as long as I was submerged in reading, that I was not in pain. And yeah. there was something that was happening that was shifting inside of me very, very gradually, very slowly. And uh, of course, you know, you can't just keep reading and go through your life. You have to go back out and live. And, yeah. and uh, that would sustain me for a while. Then I would, I would, I mean, I'm living in my home where my wife is, she was the main decorator. So every place I look, she's, she's here. She's here. Every place pictures and, and uh, paintings and, and, uh, flower arrangements and everything is, is a reminder of her. So it wouldn't take too long for me to start dropping back into the hole. And I would be, you know, I, I would admit, I mean, I was just walking around in tears and crying and sobbing, you know, but you know, um, part of recovery, part of the healing process and part of how the Holy spirit um, helps us is through other people. Yeah. It's through those aspects of ourselves that we see external to ourselves yeah. They come to our rescue too, you know, and so, uh, you know, people like Mindy and people like my friends, from my neighbors here and my relatives and colleagues of my wife from school and students that she taught that from, uh, she was a teacher. And I mean, I got all kinds of support and I allowed the big thing for me was I allowed those people to have an impact on my life. You know, Absolutely. I, I didn't feel like listening to them. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that I like I just jumped at the chance. It was really I didn't want to hear it. Uh, but what, what I said that? basically, and I used Facebook as a place to kind of um, you know bear my soul a little bit. I said, "Hey, I'm going through a tough time here, and I don't even don't even want to hear your, what you got to say." But people said it anyway. Helped, and I and I allowed it in, and it and, it, and you know between my internal dialogue <laughs> and my external support that I was getting, um, I started to shift more and more towards um, feeling joy and happiness and acceptance in my life. Yeah, because, you know, when, when we get, and, and I want to take a little time in a second to talk a little bit more about the Course in Miracles, because we're throwing out some terms and some things about it without putting them in context. But when we begin to see that what we truly are, the presence of awareness that we are is the presence of love of joy. It's a flow. It's an energetic flow. That's why it's infinite because it's constantly expanding. It, it's designed. We are designed as God, source, spirit, whatever you want to call it, to be an eternal ex- expanding presence of awareness. So here you are. Going through, you know, people wanting to call you, they want to tell you how sorry they are uh, that you're going through all of this. But in your mind, you know that the part of you that is real, that is eternal, that is what your wife is experiencing herself as right now is the presence of joy expanding. So if joy is meant to be expand and we learn that in the Course in Miracles, and you've got the the awareness that if you're an ego, you're contracting, you're feeling less than, you're going into pain, you're barricading yourself in your story. How, what was that? Was there a moment? Was there something that shifted inside of you where you decided, no, I'd rather, I'd rather choose peace instead of this. I'd rather choose joy instead of grief. I'd rather choose uh, knowing the truth of us instead of the illusion, the lies, the the misgivings that we have been taught. Was there a moment that you had where, where there was like a little snap for you? Yeah. You know, um, 
when you've done uh, A Course in Miracles for over a period of time, you have certain mantras yeah. out of it that echo in your head and pop up when you need them. And yeah. one of my favorites has always been, uh, would you rather be right or be happy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of uh, how we cause ourselves pain is we'll pick something that we, and you touched on it, you know, um, we'll, we'll focus on something that we want to be right about. Like, for instance, uh, I felt that the doctors misdiagnosed my wife. You know, I felt strongly that they could have done more. I felt strongly that I didn't do enough. I felt strongly that she didn't do enough. Uh, and as I focused on those things, it was causing me a tremendous amount of pain. Now, there was an, to me, that got to be an example of being right. You know, I'm choosing this to be right about, but, you know, I'd rather be happy. And what that meant was I had to let go of my position and on it. And, and, and this is not just true of this. It's true of my position on politics, my position on, on uh, you know, um, what my friends do, my neighbors do, what everybody does around me, what I do. And it's this whole, this whole judgmental thing about how things should be and ought to be. <laughs> you know, I, and I think that a lot of people say, well, you know, if we don't judge and look at that stuff, uh, we become like non-factors in life. But that's not true. That's not true. I know. That's one of the biggest misgivings yes. about people who don't understand what actually happens. So share what actually happens when you let go of trying to control circumstances by judging them. Right. So what happens is, is you, you no longer are reacting to situations. You're responding to situations. Exactly. Responding to situations means that you stop, look inside and ask for guidance and that becomes automatic, more automatic as you go on. Yeah. But initially, you need to do it consciously. And and then you are acting from inspiration, from mm -hmm. intuition. And I think that that's where our real strength comes from. That's where we start to identify with this part of ourselves that is all-knowing, that, that has a view of the larger picture of things. Exactly. Our part is in that larger picture. Now, it may mean, um, you know, responding to a, a, a somebody's need for help and a, a cause that they're fighting for, or it may mean helping some old lady get her groceries into the car, or you know, it, it's just what's in front of you, what what inspires you to to take action, and and it's not from feeling that you have to do it or you ought to do it, or if you don't do it, it's a sin or you know, you're breaking a law or stuff like that. It's, it's, it's all about your inner guidance uh, and connecting with that and starting to trust that that will guide you yeah. to do the right thing for you at that time. You know? Yeah, but we've been so conditioned to believe that through control, which control is always resistance to what is. I, I it, It's become extremely clear that that's all control is. I'm controlling circumstances so that what is doesn't happen uh, because I want it to be how it should be. And inside of that control, our ego convinces us that we know what's best. Right. The minute we go to think that we know what's best independent of of being the presence of awareness, we are in survival mode. There, There is no freshness. There's no creativity. There's no potential there. There is only a regurgitating from our past experiences because survival means I can only take care of me based on how I know I've been taken care of myself before or how I've been taken care of before.
there's no room for intuition, inspiration, creativity, period. Right. right. But one of the things that you had said earlier is that, and, and we were not talking about it in this context, but I want to bring it into this. But when we relax and, and accept that what is happening is happening, we cannot change that your wife had cancer. Right. But once you stop being defensive about it and trying to control it and resist it, you began to get inspired with energy modalities that could have been tried, uh, changing the diet. Those things that come that get inspired through us they bring life energy. They bring, there's a sense of love. I want you to be around because I love you. Right. You infuse these potentials with, with even more possibility of healing. I mean, it makes it more possible. Now, I do know, because when you and I met at the coffee shop and had this wonderful conversation, um, which I so appreciate that we did, it was just beautiful for me to sit in your presence. I think your wife had passed away not even a week. Yeah. Um, it, it was just beautiful. But you brought all of these suggestions to her that she said no to. Yes. But wouldn't you say that you were able to come up with all these alternatives because you were in that peaceful place? You wanted to be happy instead of right that she's dying. And if you don't do these things, then then, you know, it, it's going to be worse. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that when you were being moved to come up with other ways from a place to peace. What did that feel like for you, regardless of what she said and regardless of the outcome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had. I had. Excuse me. I had, I'm, I'm, are you getting an echo? No, I'm not hearing that. Okay, good. Um, so when that started to happen, what what came into my mind was that I needed to honor her journey too, whatever that was. I, I had to admit that I don't, I didn't really know from a larger perspective, I couldn't know what her journey was. And um, I think that we are all here to help each other. And so, you know, like, cause we, as I said earlier, we had come to the conclusion that this whole thing was here for our, as a gift for both of us. And so um, as I was coming up with ideas and ways that I thought might help her to uh, recover or to get better, I had to stop and examine, you know, how much of that was from my ego self wanting to make her stay in my life in the physical sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, how much was I fighting what was, what needed to be the way it was. And, yeah. and, so you know, that's, that's to me is the fine line in life all the way through. That's, that's the thread that we, we kind of walk on. It's like having one foot in, the real world or the physical world and one foot in the spiritual world, you know, and, and we're, we're constantly uh, balancing, doing this balancing act as we yeah. go through life, you know, and, um, you know, and letting go of the, the aspects of that, that um, weren't serving me, weren't serving her. You know, if, if she had X amount of time left, making her miserable by uh, hounding her into what I thought she should do certainly wasn't making her happy in any way. It wasn't bringing her any comfort. And uh, I had to let that go, even though at some level that said to me, I was, you know, giving up. And uh, I'm one of these people that uh, I'm like a bulldog when it comes to something that I think I can fix. And um, um, I thought I could fix it. And um, it took quite a bit for me to let go of that. That was really and, and that was such a big thing to let go of that. That's echoed throughout my whole life. You know, yeah. it, that's kind of like the overall giant gift 
that I'm that I'm I'm looking at is like, you know, once you let go of something like that, it's like everything else is really easy to let go of. It's, it's- Absolutely, because you know, one of those the four obstacles that the Course in Miracles teaches to to peace. One of them is holding on to the physical body is making the physicalness what is real. And like you were saying earlier, once we realize that what we are is this non-physical eternal energy and you are beginning to say that you're feeling her more because it's it's in the wanting to confine people that we actually lose the potential of their infiniteness with us. Um and it's really exciting that the Course in Miracles has taught so many people. I mean, these are profound teachings. This is Jesus channeling truth through this magnificent piece of work that that is incredible. Yes, it has a lot of Christian languaging because it speaks to the Father and the Holy Spirit and salvation and things like that. It, it speaks of the word sin, which it says that it doesn't exist. So it, there is this, this Christian-based um, terminology. But if you replace the words God with love, if you replace uh, Christ with truth, if you replace salvation with freedom, I mean, all of that makes perfect sense because what we're doing is we're waking up to that there is so much more to us than our finite little minds can possibly ever comprehend. But to expand to that potential infiniteness about what is actually happening we got to, like you said, we got to allow those crack in the cosmic egg. We've got to let ourselves question, be curious. Is there another way? And when there is, you discover that piece that you're talking about that passes all understanding. How can you a month, not even a month from your wife's passing, be able to choose between love and fear, be able to choose between being happy or being right, choose to know she's with you eternally versus have that pity party that feels really good to the ego. Poor me. Look, my wife died. Now I'm all alone. Yeah. Um, and I love you saying that the two of you before she passed, were looking at this as th- there, there's some lessons or some growth or some potential here because the course says everything gets used everything. There's not a single thing that is not being used to reflect back to us our state of mind, our conscious, our, our awareness of what's happening. So if she died for you to know that the body is not ultimately your source of joy, that the body is not ultimately what lets you experience connection, would you say that was worth it? Yeah. See, that's, I mean, and some level that probably sounds to a lot of people like uh, pretty brutal. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll get some messages. <laughs> but that is, that is exactly the message that I've got, and I think that from a spiritual perspective, um, that is really the agreement, and that and that is what we're willing to do because it's not a sacrifice from the spiritual level. It's exactly. just it's a gift. It's it's the way that we can bring sobriety to the brain, so to speak. You know, to our to our life, and so it. it it definitely changed my focus in a way that could not, nothing else could have done. You know, I mean, um, and I, and I'm forever thankful to her for, uh, you know, having helped me to see that. And I'm looking forward to more and more of, um, the connection becoming real and, and for her to come back into my life more at the heart level, at the, at the soul level. 
So. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what this has the potential of doing is to let us know that love never ends. The love, the connection is what is eternal. And if you choose to maintain that in your heart, if you choose to hold that, that's what eternal life is all about. I mean, that's that's like the way. That's what Jesus was trying to show us, that the way is the acceptance of the eternalness of who we are. And when we come to the place that we know that love never ends, now we have the ability to tap into that endless well of love for us to give that the ego blocks us from experiencing. Right. So I, I'm Frank, I'm just so honored. I just feel like I'm sitting at the feet of a master who is sharing such profound information, really, truly the wisdom that you have shared with us and what you are helping us understand about, you know, consciously grieving. It's just beautiful. I, I'm sure this will touch whoever's supposed to touch because I true, truly believe that everything happens for a reason. And you're here today sharing this. Somebody has to hear this. Yeah. And whoever doesn't get this, it's okay. You don't have to believe this. You don't have to subscribe to it. If it's meant to be an experience that you're going to have, it will happen. If it's not meant for you to understand that you can grieve consciously, it's perfectly okay. But what is important is that you practice accepting that this is Frank's way. This is what's worked for him. And he seeks guidance from his higher power, whatever we choose to call it. It's it's my truth as well. And when we can begin to accept that we look at things differently, that is a process of beginning to recognize that love is all there is. Because in the lack of judgment, there is acceptance. And in acceptance, automatically, there's a softening, there's a kindness in you you're you I know want to share with anybody who's interested. So uh, how can people reach you if they want to have a conversation with you more in depth? Maybe they're going through something similar or, or just went through the death of a loved one that they would like to talk to you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was doing formal coaching for a number of years uh, after I retired from my real world job. Um, and now I'm retired from that. What I do uh, work with people who feel a need to, you know, uh, for some guidance or just somebody to talk to uh, when they're going through some kind of problems in life. Uh, I'm available. I don't charge for it. Um, and uh, I'm willing to work with almost anybody on any kind of subject. So uh, Facebook is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, friend me. We'll private message. Then we'll set up a phone conversation if you feel a need to. Um but it's all voluntary. It's all at your, you know, whatever you want to do. And there's no, no charge for it. So well, uh, my name is on there on the things. They'll get my name from there and just, you know, contact me that way. So. Tell them how to pronounce your name so that they can. Okay. Frank Colella, C-O-L-E-L-L-A. Beautiful. Yeah. So through Facebook, just send them a friend request. And obviously, if you're watching this through a friend of a friend, you want to be friends with me as well. You can send me uh, a request as well. I welcome friendship, especially from people who are looking to expand their awareness of who they really are. But let me share a little bit of what I've got coming up, because our next Align with Lina conversation is going to take place next Monday at 12 o'clock Eastern time with Dr. Laura Landrum. And Laura is a dear friend. She's also a student in the Course in Miracles. 
And she also is psychic. So she incorporates A Course in Miracles and her ability to sense, to, to hear, to, to see information that just helps us throughout our journey. Um, then after that, I've got the pleasure of having Pam Brooks Crump with it. She's an amazing, amazing woman who went through a journey of, of alcohol abuse and drug abuse and was able to get her life back on track by going through the 12 steps, working those steps. And now she helps other people. And she, too, is a student of spirituality, of of truth. And she has so much to offer to anybody who is willing to to hear of another way for us to heal those painful wounds that we all carry because we looked for love in all the wrong places. We did not know the eternalness of love. And as we're listening to Frank with the passing of his wife, he is realizing that love is what is real and is what remains. And if we can honor that, we carry it with us all always. We have all those people that we love with us forevermore. And I want to invite you to come and see this coming upcoming interviews. Also, I have my Power of Awareness workshop coming up um, February 22nd through the 25th. It's three days and, and a quarter because we meet Thursday night all day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we take an inventory of the blocks that we have built to the presence of love that we are. Powerful workshop. Been teaching it for over 10 years. It's actually a process that was given to me by Jesus. I I sensed the presence of Jesus, God, whatever you want to call it. And I was given this workshop to teach and it has transformed my life. It's been working me. As Frank said, this is an ongoing process. This process keeps working me, reminding me to choose love over fear all the time. And but it does get a lot easier once you know how good being loving feels. But anyways, thank you so much for being a part of this journey, for being here with us. And for for just just being with us. Thank you so much, Peggy. I'm so glad that this has touched you. I've seen that we've had a couple of other people here with us, but there is no need to fear death. Death is just is a transition from our being the presence of awareness, pulling our awareness off of the physical and returning to our formlessness. Death is, death is really an opportunity for us to expand into all that we are. And in this Western society, we've been taught to fear death as if it's a loss, but it's really a gain of all of it. We merge back into truth. All pain, all suffering completely ends because we're back with our maker. We're back as one formless energy of love forever expanding. So why would we not want to experience that as a celebration? So I celebrate you, Frank, for uh, the way that you were with your your wife. And again, she's only been gone from this physical plane for a little bit over three weeks. And here you are. I love you, brother. You you touched my life. And I'm so grateful to call you friend. And I'm sure we'll be in touch because, hey, we're connected forever. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully it has an impact on other people. And uh, We'll talk again. We'll meet, we'll meet up someplace. Sure. All right, sweetheart. Take care. And I, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, on the next Align with Lina next Monday at 12 o'clock Eastern time. Until then, remember that we are magnificent. And whether you want to believe it or not, it doesn't matter because it's the truth of who we are. Take care. Bye-bye.